Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Fellow conspiracy realists, this is a two-part episode. It's one that we and uh, many people have thought about for quite a long time. It's a story that for many people begins almost two decades ago, but as we'll come to find, it's a much, much older story. We were recently inspired to dig into this thanks to a message from fellow conspiracy realist Lisa. So thank you so much. For more than a century, you see, the Caribbean nation of Cuba Cuba has been home to one of the region's most controversial U.S. bases and currently prisons. It's generally called Guantanamo Bay. So in part one of this series, we're going to ask, how did we get here? We meaning both the U.S. and we meaning human beings in general. How did the human species get into this situation? Here are the facts. First off, if you look at the news 
If you put Guantanamo into your search engine of choice or you go to a library, uh, what you're going to find mostly nowadays is going to be about Gitmo, the Guantanamo Bay detention camp. But foreign powers have salivated over the region known as Guantanamo Bay since, like, since way before the United States was even a thing. And it makes sense when you look at the geography, right? If you pull up a map of Cuba, you can look at this bay and you can automatically know why it is such a prized possession. Yeah, it's right down there at the tip, basically uh, the southeastern tip of Cuba, if you're if you're looking at it. And from a strategy perspective, as well as from some other perspectives we're going to talk about today, that thing is prime, prime real estate. Yeah, all the way back when uh, Cristobal Colon, often called Columbus here in the U.S., all the way back on his second trip to what is now known as the Americas in April 1494, Europeans saw the saw opportunity in this part of the island. Uh, he landed there and, um, you know, he acted the way Christopher Columbus acts historically. Uh, but this set off a craze for the European colonial powers. Later, England wants it. France wants it. Spain, of course, wants it. Everybody is trying to play King of the Hill, or in this case, King of the Bay. There's a really cool punk band called Guantanamo Baywatch. So I always thought that was a really clever name for a punk band. Um, but it's true. Uh, it's totally easy to see why so many people wanted it strategically because it's the largest harbor on the southern port of the island of Cuba. Um, it's surrounded by hills that largely cut it off from the interior. Uh, and the name comes from Tainos, the original residents of Cuba. Uh, and this group, um, which also lived in Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, and Jamaica, was largely wiped out by European forces uh, like Crystal Ball or Christopher, um, due in part to brutal actions of the colonists that were essentially colonizing their land, and in part to disease that these very colonists carried with little attention paid to the indigenous folks that they were invading and infecting. Um, and Columbus actually called it Puerto Grande when his ship landed there in 1494 on one of his uh, subsequent visits. And then fast forward, 1741, the British briefly capture Guantanamo Bay during something called the War of Jenkins' Ear. And there's a ridiculous history episode that touches on this if you want to learn more about yeah. it. Well, Jenkins. The title of the war, the name of the war in English, uh, should let you know how sadly hilarious people's reasons for going to war can become or their causes belly. And uh, petty. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. And they renamed, during their brief stint here, uh, they renamed it Cumberland Bay. That didn't last. If you look at the map now and you look at the geopolitics of the current day, you have to ask yourself, hey, how did Guantanamo Bay become part of the U.S. while still not being a part of the U.S.? Depend like whenever it's convenient, because that mm. is seriously, literally the case. Let's go. Uh, let's let's go just a little further in time. The Spanish-American War in 1898. Oh no, Spanish-American War police are coming for you. Mm, I can hear them. Can you hear them? Yep. There mm. they go. 
This is the reason you don't hear this war mentioned so often. Those guys are on the ball. And you never expect the Spanish-American Inquisition? Except when they, you know, blast their sirens uh, while they're heading towards you. So during the Spanish-American War in 1898, and this is one of those many, many, many wars that uh, people often forget about in the U.S., Uh, here's what happened. U.S. forces were working with allies in Cuba to take possession of Guantanamo Bay and use it as a base from which they could battle Spanish forces controlling the island. This is also, by the way, the first deployment of a young Smedley Butler who had just become a Marine and traveled from Pennsylvania to, uh, to fight in this conflict. This is an experience that would profoundly affect him later in life. If you don't know who we're talking about, please, please, please go online and check out a short pamphlet, it's barely even a book, called War is a Racket. And uh, you'll, you'll learn the story in full. As a matter of fact, Slight spoilers, let's call it foreshadowing. Uh, You'll have an opportunity to learn much more about Smedley Butler pretty soon. So just like take that, keep it secret, keep it safe. We'll be back on that point. But anyhow, yes, that's when the U.S. forces become involved. And after the Spanish-American War, the U.S. coerces the new nation of Cuba into a series of agreements At first, they were allowed to create up to four naval bases on the island. They got, they they were kind of getting to two. Uh, They traded one of those for more land in the one base they still retain today, which is now known as Guantanamo Bay. Uh, This happened in 1903. So the U.S. leases 45 square miles of the area. And this counts land and water, by the way. And they get it from this new government, the new government of Cuba. At the time, it's important to note, nobody was talking about building one of history's most notorious prisons. Instead, this was just seen, you know, kind of the way the earlier European powers saw it. It's a stopping point, right? You can resupply. It's strategically advantageous to keep ships there and the US Navy is growing at this time. So this is quite a um well, coup would be a bad choice of words in this situation. But this this is a big get for Uncle Sam. Right. This this helps them extend their force projection and extend their power in the region. And then that uh, that lasts for uh, a li- just like a hair more than three decades. Uh, and this was 1903 thing is called the Platt Agreement. And we can talk a little bit more about that in, you know, later in the series. But in 1934, it's repealed and there's a new agreement made. The countries don't just renew the lease. They make it permanent, uh, and the only way right now, legally, from the U.S. perspective at least, the only way this agreement can end is if one of two things happens. One, the U.S. unilaterally decides to leave the bay, or two, both countries agree that the U.S. should leave. Currently, the situation is that the government of Cuba very much thinks the U.S. should leave, and the U.S. does not agree. And that's it. They'll be there forever, from now on, until they're chased out, maybe. Yeah, well, uh, 
because that 1903 agreement got repealed, replaced from the perspective of the Cuban government, especially post-communist revolution, the U.S. forces in Guantanamo are an illegal occupation. They're an illegal occupying force. And that's something that, you know, you, you won't hear reported too often in the West, the way other countries perceive Guantanamo Bay. Today, this naval base is often called Getmo. It's not just a prison. It is a naval base. But one of the world's most notorious prisons, which we'll get to in part two, is on the, is in this area. And it should be no surprise, fellow conspiracy realists, that Gitmo and Guantanamo Bay remain a hotbed of conspiracy and have for many, many years. We'll tell you more after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's where it gets crazy. Well, first of all, back in 1903... 
the terms of the lease itself were actually outlined in something called the Platt Agreement. Um, and it set those terms for what would be largely considered an unequal relationship between the United States and Cuba, clearly with the uh, advantage being given to the United States. Both countries would get free access through the Bay, and while the U.S. controls day-to-day operations, it ultimately, in theory, does recognize Cubans' sovereignty. So there's certainly some um, symbolic recognizing of Cuba's sovereignty there. So why was the agreement so controversial? Well, the Platt Agreement did pretty significantly challenge Cuba's sovereignty while tacitly acknowledging it as well by mandating that they actually include these conditions for withdrawal of troops um, that the U.S. would also adhere to into their very constitution. Ben, this is your wheelhouse, my friend, with your international affairs background. Can you explain what a strong arm move this would have been seen as or, or was it seen that way? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, because it was. So the idea was that uh, we will not only have this agreement, right? You want us out. OK, fine. We'll leave. We'll leave if you do these things. And not only do you have to do these things, but to make sure that we're super locked in on this, you have to take what you have to take our caveats and you have to put them in your constitution. So like imagine, for example, if after this is not a perfect comparison, but imagine, for example, after the um, after the Revolutionary War, right, uh, France said, OK, we're going to keep we're going to keep New York Harbor, okay? We're going to pay you a little for it, but we're going to keep it, and we want you to put the following stuff in your constitution. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's our law. We wrote it, but you guys should put it in. And what's more, you should be grateful. That's that's kind of what happened here. And like so many of these, these sorts of coercive moves, the stated goal is one of defense and protection. Like, hey, help us help you. That's that's the way it's phrased. But there's already something conspiratorial about this because the person who signed off for this on the Cuban side is a guy named Tomas Estra Palma. And he was uh, he would later go on to be the first president of Cuba, but he himself was an American citizen. So there's kind of an inside man argument here as well. You can see why this didn't sit well with a lot of people. But then adding a little bit of insult to injury here, truth be told, Uncle Sam got the land for a song. Up until that 1934 agreement, the government of the U.S. would would control this part of the island And in return, they would pay 2,000 gold coins per year for their lease. 1934, that changes a little. And they say, okay, we're going to match. We'll still give you the equivalent, but we'll give it to you in dollars because we're super into we're super into paper currency now post 1913 you know what i'm talking about and so (laughs) we're not gonna we're not gonna give you actual gold but hey hold these coupons you guys you know i owe you (laughs) i love the concept that somebody in fort knox is just pulling out gold bullion to print gold coins specifically to pay cuba for their lease and this relationship these odd bedfellows uh, remained relatively stable and didn't change significantly until another pivotal moment in Cuban history, which was the revolution 
in the 1950s, the rise of Fidel Castro and the U.S. and Cuban relations, surprise, surprise, steadily declined as the Castro government became closer and closer to the Soviet Union, right? And, and as the U.S. attempted to kill him in a number of ingenious in a, ways. In a number of infamously stupid cartoonish yeah. ways. He, was, you know, exploding cigars, was that a thing? Or did I that, that was one. one. Okay, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let's take a second. Let's, let's stroll down <laughs> memory lane. Let's do Castro assassination attempts. Let's do some of the greatest hits. Yes, Noel, uh, you are correct. If we're doing Family Feud, you just got one of those little slots that just dinged, uh, dinged forward, right? So you got some points because, yes, an exploding cigar was one of the famous ones. Uh, there was the, let's see, they also wanted to to poison his diving suit with fungus. <laughs> and they, w the idea was that it would give him really bad skin. And, well, then, and, then, and then no one will uh, will trust him anymore because you can't trust a leader with bad skin. There's actually a documentary called 638 Ways to Kill Castro that was produced by British television uh, Channel 4 um, in the UK in 2006. I have not seen it, but mm -hmm. uh, it does outline, I, I don't know, I, hopefully, I guess the number is accurate, uh, all these different ways that the CIA tried to kill Castro. Yeah, many of which were um, kind of proposed ways, uh, but several were actual attempts. Uh, one of my other favorites, just to give you a perspective here, folks, is in 1960, when the CIA was super into psychedelics, they said, you know what we should do? We should destroy the guy's public, uh, public reputation if we can't kill him. So let's go to his broadcasting studio and let's spray the whole thing. Let's fumigate it with a chemical that'll make it look like he's tripping. He'll have hallucinations as though he were on acid. That's right. I, I don't think it panned out, but that was mentioned in uh, the I Heard original um, podcast series, Operation Midnight Climax. The idea was to make him look like he had dementia or something or like that he was tripping over him. Not only tripping, you know, like on LSD, but like tripping over his sentences and would make him appear foolish as though he were like having some kind of like nervous breakdown. Yeah. Uh, and just related to all of this, I would highly recommend the Guardian article, The CIA Has a Long History of Helping to Kill Leaders Around the World. In this case, they didn't, they didn't get it right. But uh, that article is about the times that it worked. Yes, yes. This is, uh, this is good reading, too. I mean, it's not, uh, it's, it's not going to make you chuckle because there are some really horrific things that you can lay at the foot of the CIA, and that's just the stuff that people know now, right? A lot of their, a lot of their shenanigans are lost to history. Anyhow, as their relationship with the U.S. declines and Cuba becomes closer and closer with the USSR, Uncle Sam cuts diplomatic ties with Cuba, 1961. And uh, just a few years later, in 1964, Castro directs his government to cut off all the supply avenues and all the water lines to Guantanamo. And again, like as we said, this is encircled partially by some pretty steep terrain. So the naval station there says, okay, we've gotta we gotta do our own thing. We're not leaving. So we're just going to we're going to get our own power and water sources. This is geopolitically speaking a very tense roommate situation. That's that's one way to put it. Fast forward 1974 
the yearly lease gets uh, what they call reassessed. And then they, they say, okay, well, let's, let's update this. You know what I mean? These are different times now. So how about this? Once a year for occupying, again, 45 square miles of your country, uh, we'll give you a little over $4,000 a year. How's that sound? Dang, that's the cheapest private island location ever. Even though it's not a full island, it's just a bay. It's amazing, right? Like 45 square miles oceanfront property, by the way. How much should that be? <laughs> should Seriously. Be like 4,000 a year? I mean, is it, I, is it still 45 square miles? That's what we said before, right? 45, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. It's still the same size. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if it's grown. Okay. Yeah. And according to, this is interesting too. So according to most sources, the government of Cuba has refused to cash these checks for a long, long time in protest of this agreement that, again, they maintain is coercive and they maintain the U.S. is illegally occupying their territory. I wonder if they've got them like framed in protest, you know, like uh, some sort of artifact that they're, that, you know, say, see, see, we're holding our ground. We will not bow to any foreign interlopers. Oh, it's a diss even deeper than that, you guys. Uh, The truth of the matter is that after the Cuban Revolution, which again, 1953, 1959, uh, when the U.S. president at the time, Eisenhower, refused to return the land or leave it, uh, the Cuban government has only cashed one of those checks. And Castro was super pissed about that for the rest of his life. He said it was a mistake in the early days of the government. And the legend is that he did keep all those physical checks again, uh, and he kept them uncashed, and he just unceremoniously stuffed them in a desk drawer for the rest of his life, and occasionally would mention it in speeches with a very screw you guys attitude, you know? I hope nobody tries to cash them anytime soon because it'll just come back insufficient funds. <laughs> oh, that is a burn I was not expecting. That was good. That was a parkour level burn. All right. It's true, though. I mean, from his perspective, you could see how um, fundamentally offensive the presence of that base would be, regardless of uh, the stated intent behind it. So this gets us up to the revolution in Cuba. Right. And we've we've established that Guantanamo Bay was around far before the U.S. And when the U.S. was occupying the area or when the U.S. had territory there, which it still does today, that situation did not change despite the dangers of the Cold War. Let's talk a little bit more about this after a word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. 
You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mm, I hope you liked that American capitalism. <laughs> All right. Yes. And it's it's weird because uh, it seems American capitalism, regardless of your views on the on the concept or the ideology, which it very much is, it seems that it is a constant, right? And you could say the same about Guantanamo. Throughout the <laughs> throughout the revolution, the rise of Fidel Castro, up to and including his demise, throughout the Cold War, throughout the War on Terror, and now to the present day, as we record this series. One thing remained constant on the island, the U.S. presence at Guantanamo Bay. And most, again, most of the 20 years of reporting on the area has centered on the detention camp. But it's important to notice, this is, this is something a lot of the reporting can miss at times. It's important to notice this. Before Guantanamo Bay hit the news as a de- detention camp created in response to the war on terror, it was home to other controversial acts. That's right. In the 1990s, the U.S. used Guantanamo Bay as a place to dump uh, 300 HIV-positive refugees. Um, It was essentially being used and described as a prison camp. It also, the U.S., that is, interned uh, over 30,000 Haitian refugees there on the base. Eventually, they let 10,000 747 of them into the U.S., but um, they also interred uh, Cubans that were seeking asylum there. Yep, they did. And this became one of those locations that uh, you may have heard of in in the past in other parts of the world where the question becomes, is this a refugee camp or is this an open-air prison, right? Are Are we helping these people or are we simply holding them? This was the first kind of large-scale use of the area as a prison or a center of incarceration. 
And it happened, like you said, uh, in the early 90s, 1991, directly following the overthrow of Haiti's first democratically elected president, uh, which is a story all its own and maybe one we cover in a future episode. So the CIA, at, at the same time the U.S. government is uh, is putting these folks in these refugee camps, the CIA is helping, assisting death squads that are traveling around Haiti, and they, they were killing, again, the supporters of a democratically elected president, Jean-Bertrand Aristide. The White House said, the White House didn't say, hey, we're doing this while, you know, the CIA is killing people. They said, we're, do, we're going to be using Guantanamo as a, quote, tent shelter for people who are fleeing violence in Haiti. And if any of these refugees made trouble or thought to be making trouble or were suspected of being troublesome in the future, they were sent to a nearby site still on the base called Camp X-Ray. Today, that location is known as the Guantanamo Bay Detention Camp. It's also just known as a glorified dog kennel. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that that comes from the reporting that initially showed the world the chain links, the chain link comprising the fencing, right? Uh, and it does look like a kennel. So when President Bush Sr then president at the time, when he decided to send a lot of these Haitian exiles back into the chaotic fray of the country they'd hoped to escape, something incredibly important happened. And it's something that maybe maybe slipped by in some of the news cycles. And it's this. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that these refugees, regardless of their behavior, regardless of why or how they ended up in this area, they were not entitled to rights that you would normally have in a U.S. system of justice or as a person seeking refugee status in the U.S. or seeking asylum because, in this case, Guantanamo doesn't count as U.S. soil. Now it's Cuba. If it's a problem, if it's a responsibility, it's, it's Cuba's problem now, they seem to say. So it's essentially it's this is foreshadowing, right, Ben? I mean, it's essentially an argument that can be made as to whether or not U.S. laws apply when you're there, and in terms of what you can do to the people there and the prisoners there. What you can do to anyone at any time in anything. Yeah, it's it's a weird legal black spot, gray area, hole, it's, and it's why everything else happened. Yes. Well said. This rationale forms the basis of everything that would come to pass in the future. This is a have your cake and eat it too situation for Uncle Sam. Think of it this way. All right. For a little over four grand a year, if you're the U.S., you control all aspects of day-to-day life and military operations in this bay. It is your call. Except, that is, when this control would uh, include responsibilities that you would rather avoid. So all of a sudden, like think of it, I'm just, I'm killing it with terrible analogies here, but think of it like, uh, let's say you've, you've got a roommate or maybe you've got a kid, right? And the kid says, this is, this is my room, except when it's time to clean it. Then it's, you know, then it's 
just another part of your house. What are you doing in there, Timmy? (laughs) (laughs) How old is Timmy? Because that's... (laughs) Nothing. Check the plat agreement. I don't have to tell you anything. Get out of here. Uh, He got us. (laughs) He got us. We revealed the plat agreement. Should have never signed a treaty with my child. And this, this, what, what we've done here is we've set the stage for the problems and the controversies, the corruption, the conspiracies, the allegations of torture that have been wrapped up in the story of Guantanamo for the last two decades. So just for perspective here, you know, uh, we think that, like, we are spending a lot of time in this first part of the series on the history because that's that's a question and that's a story that needs to be addressed more openly. The question is, how did we get here? I mean, before diving into this, uh, were, were you all aware about like the history of Guantanamo and just how many countries were trying to grab the throne? Absolutely not. I honestly took for granted the idea that uh, this whole um, weird kind of changing of hands and this whole like power grab that the U.S. did uh, with Cuba is literally what led to all the atrocities that we're definitely going to get uh, super into in the second part. I mean, I just I completely uh, missed that entirely. So, no, this is absolutely educational for me personally. Personally, for me, it, both of my wife's parents came from the island when the revolution was going down. So, yeah, I, I knew a little bit about this. After meeting her, you know, it was right after September 11th and everything. So I learned a lot about this place because it was a weird, it was a weird thing when you hear that detainees from the war on terror are being kept in Cuba, weirdly enough. And, you know, for us in in an early relationship, it felt like a very coincidental thing. Like, wow, that's weird Hmm. that that would just happen. But do you realize that... (laughs) Again, we're going to save a lot of this for the next episode because that's when we're getting into the war on terror itself and how that altered things for the state here. But it is very weird to think about Cuba, of all places on the earth, as the place where we would end up sending detainees uh, as a sovereign nation that has a ton of landmass just north of where we're keeping them. Yeah, and then also this is – there's another – aspect here of, of the history, it might have stood out to some some of our fellow listeners that a lease usually has an end date. This one does not have an end date. It's just renting forever. And additionally, when we say it was a strong arm deal, I should have mentioned this earlier, the U.S. required Cuba to amend their uh, constitution to incorporate this agreement, this kind of devil's bargain. Uh, if they, if the Cuban government did not agree, then the U.S. would not have allowed them full independence. Because after the Treaty of Paris with Spain, it was kind of up to them, up to the U.S. government of the time, what happened to Cuba, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Guam. This was something that the Cuban government was forced to do. And so if you are growing up in the area, then you can understand why this would seem tremendously, like this would seem like a problem 
right? Like what if you, what if you grew up and you knew that in your country, right? Or in your state, there was this foreign occupying force. No one could do anything about it. And they're what? They're paying like four, what, what is 4,000, what is like $4,000 divided by 12? Like how much is the monthly rent there? Yeah, I know. I totally see what you're saying, Ben, but I think if you have someone, some power help you gain independence, then having that power in some presence, in some way in your country is probably not you know, balked at as, as heavily. Sure. I mean, I, I think that's a valid point, but let's also consider that before the U.S. came into the, into the theater of this war, the, like, Cuban, the Cuban people have been fighting for independence against the Spanish for decades. So you could say, uh, and I'm sure there are many critics of this policy who agree, you could say that what happened is the U.S. kind of came in at the end yeah, and said, look at us, we're helping. Sort of like uh, if, you're, if you've ever helped a friend move and somebody shows up right at the end, right, and they carry one box and then they go, whew, I am... Oh, man. I am exhausted now. Let me get like, some of that pizza and beer. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> no, I, I totally see that point too, Ben, because I, I, I think I think both might be true a little bit. Even if they helped out a little bit, maybe 45 miles, you know, square miles of land isn't that crazy. But then pushing it further and further from that 1903 date to the 1934 date, when they tried to get it in the Constitution, that's when you're like, whoa, what? That's a little. Come, come on. Well, you want to be independent, don't you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. hey, that's a that's a nice idea for a country you have. Would be cool if it worked out. Yes, but also from the Cuban perspective, strategically, if you've got the United States military as an ally and it's just up there and you've got a bay down here where they can, you know, deploy from, anybody that's going to come and mess with Cuba isn't going to. Because the U.S. Navy is the big player in town, in the world. And, you know, I can imagine how that's also, that goes into the calculus of, all right, maybe we should go along with this. I completely agree. And you've reminded me, Matt, of a quotation from a senator at the time uh, in the U.S. uh, that maybe will give us some more context into the motivations for this quote-unquote protective defensive move. Uh, as, the, as the U.S. was ramping up to, to intervene in Cuba, one senator pulled out all the stops to try to get everybody on board with this intervention. Uh, his name is Senator John Thurston. First, he said, it was his wife's dying wish to, quote, free Cuba and its people. And then just for backup, he added this. He said, war with Spain would increase the business and the earnings of every American railroad. It would increase the output of every American factory. It would stimulate every branch of industry and domestic commerce. It would greatly increase the demand for American labor. And in the end, every certificate that represented a share of an American business enterprise would be worth more money than it is today. It's not quite protecting people's, you know, quality of life, is it? 
It's that's an odd quote to me, man. That is, that's wow. That's an American senator. That is that is the senator John Thurston. John my Thurston. Wife, my wife's dying wish. No kidding, you guys. Is uh, to free the Cuban people from Spanish occupation. Also, who likes money? Yeah, everything's gonna get better. <laughs> wow, that's that's intense. Okay. And it's it's strange to think of it that way because people do argue for economic benefits in war. They're just careful about who they're talking to when they say it. You know, they read the room. So that's why you'll hear a politician and maybe in a public facing environment say something like, we're protecting our national interest. But what are those national interests exactly? It's a good question. Well, um, what do you think those national interests are? You can find us on the internet, right? Let us know. Absolutely. We we would love to hear if you've got stories about the history of Cuba, about the history of Guantanamo Bay, anything that's related to what we talked about today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook where we are Conspiracy Stuff YouTube. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show. And if you don't like social media, you can use your mouth and your phone to contact us. That's right. one eight three three stdwytk Leave us a message. Three minutes is the time of the message that you shall leave maximum. You can go really short. Do it like a like an aphorism, like a Ben Franklinism or something, or a, a verbal tweet. Um, let us know what to call you. Give yourself a nickname. Say anonymous. Use one of those creepy serial killer voice disguisers. Those are cool. Uh, and also make sure to let us know if it's okay to use your message on one of our weekly listener mail episodes. Because we'll do that. And finally, if you can't fit everything you want to say into that three-minute voicemail, you can also send us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.